Hello and welcome to episode 172 of Travel Stories from the Back Again and Gone podcast, being recorded in the beautiful home office of Chateau Relaxo, Florida. And tonight, I'm remembering my father. Thanks for listening. Hello, if you are a new listener, welcome. If you are a returning listener, welcome back. And tonight, it's not about travel stories. It's just about me remembering my dad. On July 4th, 2022, my dad passed away. He was 86. He likely planned to go out with a bang, and what better day to do that than July 4th? The year was 1994, and that's when my dad introduced me to craft beer. And my dad was not a beer guy, but he was an early adopter of almost everything long before we had social media and the term early adopter. That year, he was living in Asheville, North Carolina, and he came to visit us in Lawrenceville, Georgia. And with him, he brought two growler-sized bottles of Gaelic Ale from Highland Brewing, a brand new brewery near his home in Asheville. And Gaelic Ale is this wonderful red ale weighing in at a hefty 5.8 APV. It is delicious, and it started me down the path of craft beer all those years ago. So in honor of that, most of the episode show notes tonight were written while enjoying several of Highland Brewing's IPAs. You don't have to be a genius to know that we don't always realize what parents instill in us. It takes some time. It takes some years. Some things are a no-brainer. My love of music came from both of my parents. Neil Diamond, Mac Davis, and Ray Charles were just the beginning. But as I grew and quote-unquote matured, I noticed myself mirroring many of the actions and behaviors that I saw my dad exhibit, especially in regards to the business world. I called my dad the original road warrior, and before I accepted a traveling job, we had a very long talk about business travel. He gave me the highlights, all the exciting places, the great food, and he told me about all the people that I'll meet during my travels, which he was right. And he also gave me the lowlights. If you're away from family, you'll miss school concerts and plays. You'll wake up at ungodly hours in order to catch the early morning flight. And there will be Friday nights that all you want to do is get home, but you won't. And he was right about that as well. And as with all good road warriors, he had his share of stories as well. In the early 1970s, we lived in Rockville, Maryland, and my dad worked for Xerox as a regional manager for their copier division. And here's a side story to that one. My next door neighbor, our next door neighbor worked for IBM selling the IBM Selectric typewriter. And if you remember typewriters, this was actually the first electric typewriter that had a ball instead of metal keys that struck the paper. So here was my dad selling the highly sought after Xerox copier, the neighbor selling the highly sought after IBM Selectric typewriter. These two guys didn't miss a quota or their sales quota for probably two or three years straight. And after my dad's first quarter at Xerox, one of the VPs called him into his office to discuss his travel expenses. And my dad was nervous thinking he'd been a good steward of the company's money, but he wasn't sure. Well, the conversation was quite the opposite. My dad was being too good of a steward with the company's money. He was so far below the travel budget that the VP was afraid that the finance group or the finance department was going to reduce the region's travel budget the following year. 
You see, at the time when you worked for Xerox, believe it or not, and you were on the executive management team, you flew nothing but first class. And there was my dad booking coach tickets. I'm here to tell you that in 2022, coach or discount tickets is the norm. And if you know anyone in sales, they are typically very competitive. Throw a sales contest or a quota buster program in front of them, and they tend to salivate. Well, one evening, my dad comes home with a beautiful Belgium-made browning goose gun that he had won in a sales contest. And up to that point, my dad's exposure to guns had been limited to my Crossman BB gun and some tin cans in the backyard. But in addition to the shotgun, it also came with a guided Canadian goose hunting trip, which was also something new to him. Well, he went on the trip, and believe it or not, he came home with a lifeless Canadian goose. And his plan, get this, was to pluck it and have my mom cook it and then serve it to us as a meal. Well, we were all impressed by his hunting prowess until we discovered that this guided goose hunt consisted of the contest winners standing on a dock at daybreak as the guide opened a cage and then kicked the cage until the geese, similar to shooting fish in a bucket, but with feathers instead of fins, and then when it came to the goose plucking and cleaning part, my dad made it about 15% into it before he gave up and decided that a store-bought ham was a better choice for dinner. And I've also told this story before, I'm sure, but in 1970, my dad was transferred from California to Maryland. And my dad flew out a week earlier because I had the chicken pox and was contagious and couldn't fly. We had a cat, Charlie, and Charlie somehow got pregnant. It was decided that my dad would take pregnant Charlie with him to Maryland early. And in 1970, cats didn't fly in the cabin. They flew in the cargo area. I know that's totally barbaric nowadays. The vet gave us some kitty Vicodin or kitty Prozac so that Charlie would be less stressed during the long flight. My dad arrives in Dulles and heads to the baggage claim area to get Charlie and her cat carrier. And when he hits baggage claim, there is all sorts of commotion, loud voices, and people pointing. My dad, a curious guy, made his way to the luggage belt only to see Charlie and her cat carrier on lap two or three. Except now it's Charlie and her newborn kittens, two of them. My dad claims that he waited for everyone to leave the baggage claim area before he grabbed Charlie, the kittens, and the messy cat carrier and headed to his taxi. Later that night, Charlie delivered kitten number three and kitten number four in his apartment. In 1972, my dad was transferred again, this time from Rockville, Maryland to Dallas, Texas. And here's another side story. We moved on average of every 24 to 36 months. In the corporate world, the general rule at the time was that if you turned down a state-to-state -state transfer, your upward progression in the company came to a grinding halt. This is long before LinkedIn, Monster, and Indeed. And when it was time to move, we generally knew it because mom would make pancakes for breakfast while dad presented a brochure of the new house, pointing out all the high points. It could be a pool, it could be on a lake, or it had a basement where we could put a ping pong table. In hindsight, moving so often did help me to establish relationships with new people. And to this day, I think it is a huge benefit to my career. Well, back to the Dallas story, in case you didn't know it, Dallas is Southwest Airlines home base. 
1973, the now defunct Braniff Airlines, which was a competitor, began offering a $13 fare from Dallas to Houston. This was also Southwest Airlines' only profitable route. Southwest smartly responded by offering to match the $13 Braniff fare, or you could pay full fare of $26 and get a free bottle of Chevis Regal, Crown Royal, or Smirnoff. And at the time, the Dallas to Houston route was typically flown by business travelers. Business travelers flying on expense accounts, which meant the $26 full fare from Southwest passed well underneath the radar of the bean counters. My dad flew that route weekly and our liquor cabinet quickly overflowed with compliments of his expense report and the advice of his VP two years earlier. Sadly, the $13 fare promotion didn't last long, but Southwest became the largest liquor distributor in Texas of Chevis, Crown Royal, and Smirnoff two months in a row. And business travel also has its tragedies. Oftentimes, it hits very close to home. In the 70s, three people on my dad's team were flying to a project site when their plane crashed, killing almost everyone on board including those three team members. The funeral home had three caskets in three different rooms for the wake and service. My dad said that was one of the toughest days in his life, going room to room and speaking with their wives and their parents and their friends. He never shared any detail beyond what I just told you. No names, no cities, not even the airlines. The following week, Xerox issued a policy that no more than two principals on a team could travel together and I think to this day, most corporations have a similar policy. Now, my dad was a great negotiator, or shall I say, a fair negotiator, so long as everyone had skin in the game. For instance, in middle school, I discovered that fellow classmates were getting paid for good grades on their report cards. I wanted a piece of that, so I asked him if he could do the same for me, and he agreed. And this was the arrangement. For every A that I got on my report card, I received a dollar. For every B, 50 cents. At this point, I'm nodding my head. For every C, it was break even nothing. I'm still smiling. For every D that I got on my report card, I owed him 50 cents. And for every F, I owed him a dollar. When it came time for my first car, he came to me with this deal. He would match every dollar that I saved. But in order to get the money and buy the car, I had to get all Bs or better on my report card. It is all about having skin in the game. Just ask my 1973 Dodge Duster with the shackle lift kit and the 60s in the back. However, my favorite negotiation story is this one. My dad was a car guy, a convertible Austin Healey in his 20s, a Chevy SS in his 30s. There was the disastrous 1982 turbo Ford Mustang a Mercedes coupe that I think he held on for close to 30 years. The 1984 fuel-injected turbo Dodge Daytona that he and I passed back and forth several times. But the year was 1986, and a computer company had offered him the position of CEO, but it came with a catch. If he came on board, he had to immediately fire the owner's two sons, not one, but both of them. And the owner couldn't stomach to do it because he was afraid of the wrath of his wife. The compensation package was solid, including a company car or a lease of a company car, not bad for 1986. My dad accepted the offer, including the firing of the sons, 
but on one condition, he wanted his company car to be a 1987 BMW 325i convertible. This was the first year that that car came with a drop top and it was going to be an absolute short supply once it hit the dealer showroom. In late 1986, my dad received one of the first three 325i convertibles to hit Arizona. In 1990, I moved back from Florida to Atlanta and one of our traditions was attending his alma mater, Georgia Tech's annual homecoming game in the fall. The morning would start by watching the Georgia Tech Wreck Parade, where the engineering students would Frankenstein some sort of a vehicle together for a parade that humiliated the opposing team. Think Animal House, but without all the nudity. And then after the parade, we'd head across the street to the varsity for lunch and then back to the stadium where he would buy tickets from a student that was selling one of the players extra tickets. So this was an amazing college game day hack that he pulled off for many, many years. One year, the tickets he bought were on the 50 yard line right next to the student fraternity section with only a three foot high chain link fence separating the students from us or us from the students, who knows? The frat boys seated on the other side of the fence had smuggled in their own libations and by late in the game, they were hammered, which was fine until they started yelling obscenity-laced pickup lines at the female students. This was 1992. I was 28. He was 56. And before I knew it, he was heading over the fence to straighten out those Georgia Tech frat boys. Thankfully, I was able to grab his belt and stop his really, really, really bad idea before he was on the other side of the fence. My dad wasn't a violent man at all, and where this behavior came from, I don't even think he knew. Another thing that I learned from my dad is the value in things that you purchase, or as he used to say, buy once, cry once. For example, he bought a beautiful set of gold-rimmed pheasant embossed old-fashioned and highball glasses in 1970 or 1971. When we moved into Chateau Relaxo, he gave them to us as a housewarming gift. They still look brand new and are one of my most prized possessions. 30 years ago, he purchased a Denon receiver and set of Polk speakers. They were well in excess of $1,500. And to this day, they still sound better than anything that your iPhone and Bluetooth speaker can produce. As we cleaned out my parents' house, I saw more evidence of the buy once, cry once. His Craftsman tools are almost 50 years old. I found a still working Sony Discman from 1987 and the set of Hoffritz kitchen knives from 1976 they still used. And to this day, the buy once, cry once scenario that I passed on was that Hunter Green 1994 Range Rover Defender. At the time, the cost was an astronomical $33,000, but the current value of that vehicle is well in excess of 70 grand. And to top all that off, my dad was a true foodie. He taught me to appreciate food experiences at a very young age. By the time I was a teenager, I knew how to grill on a charcoal grill. I could crack king crab legs, and I appreciated something as simple as Brunswager on Ritz crackers. My dad also loved food gadgets. In the 70s, our house had a Gen Air range in the kitchen long before anyone else did. Many of these food gadgets were used once or twice and then went to live and gather dust in the pantry. For example, the bread maker, what a great idea, right? We could make wheat bread, rosemary bread, or banana bread if we wanted to wait five or six hours instead of going to the store. In 
He also had his own Romeo group and Romeo as in retired old men eating out. He and his crew would pile into someone's four door sedan and drive three hours one way to their favorite barbecue spot. Or they'd head over to the local college every Wednesday when the culinary students opened the cafeteria up to the public. Now, here's another foodie one for you. My dad was a Trader Joe's peanut butter fanatic. He didn't live near a Trader Joe's, but my sister would bring him six jars at a time when she'd visit. And in 2021, he had a blood transfusion, possibly two. But after that, I don't think he ever had any desire for peanut butter at all. My dad was also a very giving man, giving of his time to his church and giving anything he had to his family. Once he hit it big in Vegas and hitting it big meant winning about 500 bucks. Who knows how much he lost in order to win the $500, but he did send my sister and myself a $100 check in the mail to celebrate his winnings. And when I was 19, my dad transferred to Atlanta, leaving the rest of us in Florida to sell the house. And at the time, interest rates were well over 13%. Imagine that. And it took probably 18 to 19 months for the house to sell. And here's another side story to that. When the house finally did sell, my mom came home and told me the house was sold. They were closing in less than 30 days. I could have my bedroom furniture, the kitchen table, and $1,000. I think I was 20 years old at the time and making about 10 bucks an hour. So back to the original part of the story. One weekend, I flew into Atlanta for a father-son weekend in the mountains. After landing, we headed up to one of our fav family's favorite spots, Amicalola Falls, with plans of a streamside lunch and some hiking. Once we got to the parking lot of the falls, my dad said he had a surprise for me. He opens the trunk of his car, and there is a case, a case of Carling's Black Label Beer, possibly the worst beer on the face of the earth. Like I said, my dad's not a beer guy. Over the course of a typical year, my dad might have had six, maybe seven beers at most. I looked at him, looked at the beer, looked back at his smiling face, and all I could say was, this is going to be one hell of a hike. Time with my dad was filled with all sorts of good times and great memories. I will miss him. It was through his guidance that I ended up on the career path that I'm on. And up until the end, we had many business-based conversations about my industry, including the one in his final days where he thought I owned the company that I currently work for. I did not have the heart to correct him. You know, there's so much more that I learned from my dad, actually both my parents, and I realized those things more and more with each passing day. My mom and my dad did it right, and I'm thankful for that. So this episode was to have contained my thoughts on elder care based on what the CEO and I had learned over the past five or six years. However, the Highland Brewery IPAs were flowing and the show notes got a little bit too long. So look for an elder care episode probably next month. Thank you for listening to my memories of my dad. He was my hero. If you want detailed show notes, links, and pictures, head over to podpage.com slash travel hyphen stories leave a message at anchor shoot me an email travelfrick at gmail.com that's travelfrick at gmail.com as i always say travel safe stay safe and thanks for listening mm -hmm.